0: And when we get to the last one, he's going to be there to see us through. By my, we stand together in honor the man of the Lord tonight That done such an awesome job this morning Appreciate Brother Sanford Appreciate our evangelist. The lives they have to live The faith they have to have To, to be about the kingdom's business And have the call of God on their lives And the labor they put into it uh, You know he'll, he'll preach here tonight And drive five hours home A man got to be with his wife in the morning Got some situations going on And they're willing to make these kind of prices And pay these kind of prices To come and b- Bring the word of God to you and I. We want the Lord to anoint him tonight, bless him tonight, energize him tonight. Hallelujah. Keep him awake all the way home. When he gets home, put him in bed like a baby. Oh, God can do all that. He's God. He cares about us. Hallelujah. We love him, appreciate him. Give him a good bend welcome to this pulpit tonight. God bless you, Brother Sam Love you, man.
1: Come on, let's give the Lord some praise tonight if you know he's worthy. Come on, why don't you fill the house with praise for the next few moments? Oh, uh, Why don't you clap your hands? Why don't you lift your voice? Uh, the Holy Ghost hasn't left the building yet. He's still here. Come on. Why don't somebody just push your flesh out of the side and just give him praise? Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Well, it feels good in church on a Sunday night. Amen. I, I remember growing up and I'm... Still wet behind the ears, according to a lot of people. Uh, but I remember growing up, Sunday night service, man, that was the service looked forward to. I remember being five, six, seven years old, sleeping when my dad pastored. And I'd be sleeping under pews, and I'd see just herds of people running, shouting. And I grew up in that kind of atmosphere. And I believe that atmosphere is in this house tonight. Amen. I believe some people came not to just say, well, we went to church. I believe there's some people that came to have church tonight. Well, that's about seven of us. Amen. I've come to have church tonight. You know, we've already. A lot of times, the hardest part is getting to church. That's the hardest part. A lot of times, uh, we wrestle with the kids, and we try not to kill them on the way to church. And I got some parents, amen, and me. They. And then we get to church and we act like everything's perfect. Sometimes the hardest part is just getting to church. But you know what? If that's the case, the hard part's over. We've already put our clothes on and made the trip, and we're here now. And I believe the Lord wants to do something great in this house tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'll go to Malachi chapter 4 and then Matthew chapter 9. Malachi 4 and Matthew 9. And um, as you're finding that. I want to once again give honor to your pastor and your pastor's wife, and uh, brother and sister Moore, give them honor tonight, amen. How many love and appreciate your leaders that God's given you here, amen, amen. Can't be saved without a pastor, and I'm thankful for men of God who take on that burden and that responsibility uh, for the souls of those that he has the responsibility of looking after, and uh, I give your pastor and his wife honor tonight. And everybody that's in the house of the Lord this evening, amen. I don't know about you, but I didn't come to spectate. I've come to involve myself. I've come to participate in what the Lord wants to do in this house tonight. So if you'll just give me a few moments, I just want to, you know, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. How can they believe except a man be sent? I'm just going to spend a few moments doing my best to get our faith to rise, And I believe the Lord's going to honor his word in this house tonight. I learned a long time ago, just preach his word and he'll take care of the rest. Amen. I believe he's going to honor his word this evening. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1 and verse 2. The prophet says, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 19 through verse number 22. It is very familiar, but I feel like it's something the Lord wants us to look at for a few moments tonight. Matthew 9 and 19, and Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years, came behind him, your pastor's already alluded to it, and touched the hem of his garment. Now verse 21 is in which I'm going to just base the whole sermon off of. Verse 20 says, she came from behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. She purposed it within herself before she ever got there. All I've got to do is touch the hem of his garment. It's amazing that she didn't wait for Jesus to touch her. But she touched him because she said within herself, all I've got to do is touch the hem of his garment. Malachi said, there's somebody coming that's going to have healing in his wings. And Matthew said, there was a lady that said, all I've got to do is touch the hem of his garment. I want to talk to you for the next few moments from the subject healing in his wings. Healing In his wings. Why don't you lift your hands one more time all over the house? And as you lift your hands, why don't you let your faith rise one more time all over this room? Come on, the Holy Ghost still wants to do a work in this room tonight for those that are willing to get involved. Come on, before we get into his word, why don't we just settle it right now? I'm about to involve myself in God's word. I'm about to put myself in the way so something supernatural can happen. Come on, whatever you need in this house, come on, it's time to involve ourselves in the process. Come on, it's time to involve ourselves in the miracle that we need from the Lord tonight. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in the house. Why don't we just let it rise a few more moments? Come on, let your faith rise right now. The Holy Ghost is about to demonstrate. In Jesus' name, come on, why don't you give him one more hand clap of praise all over the house? And why don't you lift your voice one more time? Come on, lift your voice like a trumpet in the house. Come on, why don't you give him a down payment about for what he's about to do in this room? Come on, why don't you give him some prophetic praise for what he's about to do? Not what he's done, but what he's about to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're going to help me preach, you may be seated. If not, you can stand with me the rest of the time. When we begin to read and study the Word of God, I think I'm safe in saying that every one of us in this room have our favorite books and our favorite stories and even our favorite characters that we love to read about. And I don't believe there's anything wrong with that because the truth be told, I have my favorite books. And I have my favorite stories and even my favorite characters that I love to turn to from time to time after my daily reading has been finished. Uh, But I think I'm safe in saying tonight, and I know that I'm in a church that loves reading God's Word. I know that I'm among people that love to hide God's Word in their heart. You revere it and you cherish it, but I think I'm safe in saying tonight that if we were to go home this evening and grab our Bibles and read it before we went to bed, I think I'm safe in saying that probably the last place that you're going to turn to uh, would be either the book of Leviticus or the book of Numbers. Now, Understand, I'm not belittling God's Word by no means. I understand God's Word's powerful. But if you're going to read the book of Leviticus or the book of Numbers, it's going to take a dedicated and skilled reader that says, you know what, I'm just going to power through this, and I'm going to read these chapters, and I'm going to read these books. We understand the book of Genesis is interesting because that's where we see creation begin to unfold. We read of how Adam and Eve were placed in the garden. We are then introduced to... Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we are introduced to Joseph. And then uh, the book of Exodus comes along, and there's a lot of good things in there because that's uh, where the children of Israel are going into Egypt. And for 400 years, uh, they are Pharaoh's construction crew workers. uh, But we understand the Lord leads them out. And all throughout the Old Testament, uh, no doubt, I'm sure we love to read about David and all of his Psalms that he wrote. Uh, I'm sure we love to read about those major and those minor prophets. But I think I'm safe in saying that uh, if we're going to read our Bible, the last place we're going to turn to uh, would be the book of Leviticus and the book of Numbers. Uh, But if you do take the time to read those two books, uh, there are some powerful revelations uh, and some powerful principles that are found in those two books. Uh, And one of those is what I want to talk about for a few moments tonight. Uh, One of those is found within the Mosaic Law. Uh, We find that God gives His people the Israelites uh, some very stringent requirements uh, regarding the corners or the fringes of the garments that they were wearing. Uh, We see this unfold in the book of Numbers chapter 15 uh, because it tells us that the Jews were commanded uh, to make tassels on the corners of their garments uh, throughout their generations. uh, And then they were commanded to put a cord of blue uh, on the tassel of those corners uh, as a reminder that they were God's people. Uh, called to keep his commandments. Uh, this seems like a strange instruction uh, to our Western cultured mind in the 21st century, uh, but that is until you realize that in ancient Middle East, uh, the corners of a man's garment uh, told us it represented his identity. Uh, it was a symbol of who that person was uh, and the authority and the power that they possessed. Uh, this is why Ruth, when she was seeking marriage to Boaz, uh, asked him to spread his skirt over her. Understand it was a request from Ruth for Boaz to identify himself with her. It's important to know that the Hebrew word for skirt in this text literally is translated to mean the wings or the corners of a garment, which is why many translations renders Ruth's request from this standpoint. Render your wings over your servant. She was simply asking Boaz, I want you to identify yourself with me as my husband. It's why when God speaks of making a commandment with the nation of Israel, the writer pictures God as spreading his skirt over the nation of Israel. And again, that word skirt means the wings or the corners of his garment. It was symbolic of God telling the nation, I'm going to identify myself with you. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. It's why when David sneaks in the cave and he finds Saul asleep, the Bible tells us that he cuts off the skirt of Saul's armor. And the Bible says after David does this, his heart is smitten with conviction. And the conscience of David may seem strange until we realize that he had defaced an important symbol of Saul's identity and his divinely kingship. It's why David makes the announcement that the Lord has Forbid me to do this, therefore uh, I will not put forth my hand uh, toward God's anointed. Uh, Now understand again when the Bible says uh, he cut off Saul's skirt, uh, it's not telling us that Saul was a cross-dresser. It's telling us that David uh, cut off the wings uh, or the corners of his garment, uh, and that's why God convicted him uh, because understand what David done. Uh, Saul's backslid. Uh, He no longer hears from God by dreams, uh, visions, or prophets, uh, and that's why David cuts off the corner of his robe. Uh, He cut off the fact that he was the king of Israel, Uh, but God tells David, uh, it doesn't matter that Saul's backslid. Uh, It's not your place uh, to try to remove the kingship uh, that I've called him to. Uh, So, so important were the corners uh, of a Jewish man's garment uh, that the Old Testament closes with a prophecy uh, regarding this very thing. Uh, understand 38 books have been written uh, and within those 38 books uh, are 925 chapters. Uh, Malachi the prophet is now writing uh, the 39th and final book of the Old Testament. Uh, we understand 400 years of silence uh, are about to dominate between those testaments and it's in the last chapter in the last book of the Old Testament the prophet taps into the spirit of the Lord brother Troy, and a prophetic utterance is declared through the prophet's words because he says but unto you who fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings again it's important to know that word means both wings and corners or fringes of a garment the same word in Numbers 15, uh, when God commands the children of Israel uh, to make corners on their garments, uh, is the same word as wings here. uh, And no doubt we understand uh, that the prophet was speaking uh, about the man Jesus uh, who was later going to come. Uh, We understand that the prophet was given uh, a messianic prophecy. uh, So the Old Testament closes. uh, 400 years of silence uh, dominate the time. uh, And then the book of Matthew begins to unfold. Jesus, that Messiah that Malachi prophesied about uh, has been born. He's come of age uh, and he has began his earthly ministry. Uh, And even though 400 years have passed uh, between the Old Testament and the New, uh, Jews in the days of Jesus uh, were still very learned and very familiar uh, with Old Testament ways, customs, and traditions. Uh, In fact, they tell me that not only uh, did Jews in the Old Testament wear important garments, uh, but they also did in the New testament as well in those days there was a garment known as the tallit, and it was simply a garment of wool and silk with fringes at the four corners. It's known to many Christians today as the prayer shawl. Understand it was and still is very important to the Jewish people because it was given to them by God through Moses all the way back at Mount Sinai in the Old Testament. And when you begin to look at this garment called the Talit, there's some powerful revelations uh, that you can found within that garment. Uh, on the tassels or the corners of that tallit, uh, there were these things called the zitzi. Uh, they tell me that the numerical value uh, of this word, which also means fringes, uh, is the number 600. Uh, each of those fringes uh, contains eight threads. Uh, seven are white and one is blue. Uh, and there's five knots, uh, which makes 613. Uh, understand the numerical value of uh, that is 600 and then you take those eight threads and those five knots and when you add that up it's 613. This is important to the Jews because it responds or corresponds to the 613 commandments given by God to the children of Israel in the first five books of the Bible. In fact they tell me that when they would begin to make this tallit uh, and they would begin to make the fringes or the corners of that garment, uh, they tell me that they would wind uh, long thread around the corners uh, and the threads between five knots. Uh, They would go seven, eight, eleven and thirteen times. uh, Those first three numbers, uh, seven, eight and eleven, equals the number twenty-six, which is the numerical value uh, of the tetragrammaton. Uh, The tetragrammaton uh, is the Hebrew name of God which is translated in four letters J-H-V-H and once we add vowels to it we articulate the name as Jehovah the remaining number 13 equals the numerical value of the Hebrew word Ahad Ahad simply means one it is the last word in the Shema in Deuteronomy 6 and 4 when it tells us hear O Israel the Lord our God he is one he is Ahad So understand, every time these Jews would grab that tallit and they would look at the corners of that garment, it told them the 613 commandments they were to live by. But it also reminded them of the central doctrine of Judaism. The Lord our God is one Lord. And I don't know about you tonight, I'm thankful that we've got commandments, but I'm more thankful for the revelation that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is One. We're going somewhere, and they tell me the corners of this prayer shawl, the corners of this tallit, was also known as wings. So, with this in mind, they tell me that when a Jew would begin to pray. These Jews will not pray empty-handed, Brother Troy, but they would grab that tallit in their hand. They would grab that prayer shawl. It's amazing to know that the word tallit literally means a little tent. And they tell me that when these Jews would begin to pray, they would place that tallit over their head and make it a tent-like shape. It's why the psalmist tells us in Psalm 61 and 4, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shadow of your wings, these Jews believed that when they began to pray, they took refuge under the shadow of his wings. They literally believed that they entered into that tent of the holy place. Understand with me, they believed that when they begin to pray, that Psalm 91, 1 through 4 literally began to happen. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 91, 1 through 4, he that dwelleth, in the secret place uh, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow uh, of the Almighty. Uh, I will say of the Lord, uh, He is my refuge uh, and my fortress. Uh, my God in Him will I trust. Uh, surely uh, He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler uh, and from the noisome pestilence. Here it is. Uh, he shall cover thee uh, with His feathers uh, and under His wings uh, shalt thou trust. Uh, these Jews, uh, when they begin to pray with that to lead in hand, uh, they literally believed uh, that the God they were praying to was covering them with his wings. They literally believed that that God is identifying himself with me. And I don't know about you tonight, but I'm thankful I've got a God I can call on. I'm thankful I've got a God I can go to prayer in, and he will identify himself with me. I'm thankful that there's a secret place uh, that we can get into. Uh, and there's safety there. Uh, there's provision there. Uh, he's going to deliver us uh, from the noisome pestilence. Uh, under his wings, we can trust. Many scholars believe since Jesus was a Jew, he too wore a prayer shawl. It's made clear to us in John chapter 4. When the Bible says Jesus goes to Jacob's well and it's there at Jacob's well that he comes in contact with that Samaritan woman. It's amazing the dialogue that goes on because Jesus sits, the lady walks into the picture and Jesus asks her for something to drink and that Samaritan woman is stunned because she says, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. My question is very simple. How did she know he was a Jew? I mean, if they all dressed the same, like a lot of people believe, how did she know he was different from her? It's because Jesus was wearing that prayer shawl that identified him uh, with the Jewish people. uh, And that's why she understood uh, that you're not a Samaritan. uh, You're not a Gentile. uh, You're a Jew. Uh, So understand 400 years have passed uh, since the prophet Malachi closes uh, his prophetic book uh, with a prophetic declaration. Uh, I love how the Bible works uh, because I told you this morning, uh, it always confirms itself. The Bible always interprets itself the best way to study the Bible is study it with the Bible because if you've got a question if you're not sure about some things the Bible will interpret itself the Bible will make sense of itself I love how the Bible works because the last book of the Old Testament gives the prophecy and the first book of the New Testament fulfills that prophecy because Matthew begins to write, In the ninth chapter about a lady uh, that we've heard preached about all our life, uh, there's this anonymous lady uh, whom the Bible says has uh, an issue of blood. Uh, That word issue, to kind of bring it into a clearer perspective, uh, that word issue literally means to hemorrhage uh, or to bleed profusely. Uh, And so for 12 years, this lady uh, has had this constant hemorrhaging. Uh, In fact, it gives us insight uh, to the plight that she was dealing with uh, because it said this lady uh, had spent all that she had uh, and grew worse and not better. Uh, It's amazing that we don't know anything about this lady uh, outside of her ailment. Uh, The only information we are given uh, is that for 12 years uh, she's had a blood issue uh, that has perpetually gotten worse. That's the only information we're given. A lot of times, I don't know if you're like me, but a lot of times when I read stories like this, it's hard for me to relate to that person. Because I'm not there. I didn't go through that. But again, the Bible always interprets itself. And if you want to know exactly what that issue of blood was, go back to the Old Testament. Go back to the book of Leviticus. And the very issue of blood that lady had is given to us very plainly in the book of Leviticus. Because it's there in the law. It tells us that if a lady or a woman has this issue, she is meant to be quarantined for seven days. And if the issue gets better, she's able to come out of quarantine. But in those seven days, Brother Troy, if it gets worse and not better, she's put away. She's labeled unclean and she cannot come near anybody and she cannot touch anybody and the amazing thing is Matthew tells us about a woman who didn't have this issue for seven days she didn't have this issue for seven weeks seven months or seven years but for 12 long years she's been labeled unclean by the law she's been unable to come in human contact with anybody else you think seven weeks without shaking somebody's hand is bad for 12 years she's unable to hug her husband for 12 years uh, if she had children probably did Uh, she was unable to hug uh, and kiss her children Uh, she was unable to be around her family Uh, she could not fulfill the role uh, in the house that she lived in Uh, she had been isolated uh, because of her impurity Uh, in fact to take it a step further uh, I've read commentaries that tell me uh, the issue this lady had uh, was as good as being dead She's lived like this for 12 years. And this is why the Bible tells us when Jesus is passing by, she comes in from behind him and she touches him from behind because you got to understand what the Bible's telling us. She understands if somebody sees me out of quarantine, they're going to throw me back into quarantine. If somebody sees me close to somebody, they're going to grab me and throw me back into quarantine. She's trying to go unnoticed and get her miracle and then slip out the picture. That's what this lady's dealing with. But apparently, Whoever this lady is, has a knowledge of Old Testament Scripture. I spent 17 minutes to get to my sermon right here. We don't know anything about this lady, Brother Troy. The Bible doesn't give us her name. They don't tell us what her status is. They don't tell us if she's rich or if she's poor. But apparently whoever this woman is has a knowledge of Old Testament Scripture. Listen, I've heard this preached all of my life that the reason she touched the hem of his garment is because that's all she could grab. I've always approached this story from that perspective the reason she grabbed the hem of his garment is because the crowds were so great and she reaches her way through the crowd and the only thing she could grab was the hem of his garment but listen I don't believe that's the case because I believe this woman she says within herself all I've got to do is touch the hem of his garment she already had it mapped out in her mind before I get close to Jesus I've got one goal in mind all I've got to do is grab the hem of his garment and And I believe this woman, whoever she was, had read the Malachi's prophecy about a Messiah who was going to have healing in his wings. And she says, all i got to do is touch the hem of his garment. Now listen, we we read this from our Western culture and mind, but in the Jewish writings and in the Jewish ways, this touching of the hem of his garment was specifically mentioned, which is a very important detail from a Hebrew perspective. Understand her touching the hem of his garment wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't the only thing she could grab, but she was intentional. Her touch was intentional. That's why she says within herself, all I've got to do is grab. The hem of his garment uh, and virtues going to be released. Here it is. The word him in Matthew 9:20 literally means the fringe or the corner. Luke's account of this very story in Luke chapter 8:44 tells us uh, that she touched the border uh, or the fringes of his garment. Uh, why do those words uh, fringe, uh, corner or border sound familiar? It's because it's the same words that Malachi used in his prophecy when he said somebody's going to walk this earth who's going to have healing in his wings. And it is believed that when this lady touched the hem of his garment, she was literally grabbing the wings of the talit Jesus was wearing. You know what that lady was saying? If you're the Messiah Malachi prophesied about there's going to be virtue in the corners, in the fringes, in the wings of your garments. You want to know why the miracle came? She grabbed a hold of a four hundred-year-old prophecy and said, I believe you're the man that's got healing in his wings. She grabbed a hold of the fringes of his garment. Now remember, the fringes of a man's garment told us who he was and what authority and what power he had. And I believe that's why the Bible says uh, when she grabbed a hold of his identity, uh, when she grabbed a hold of who he was, uh, the Bible says straightway uh, the fountain of her blood was dried up uh, and she felt in her body uh, she was healed of that plague. Uh, I've come to tell somebody uh, in Bendale tonight uh, if you'll get intentional uh, and grab a hold of him, uh, there's something uh, that can be released in this house. Uh, If you make up your mind uh, I'm going after it. not waiting. I'm about to pursue. I'm grabbing a hold of the fringes of who he is. When she grabbed a hold of his garment she was simply matching her faith with his identity and so by grabbing the hem of his garment uh, she was simply telling Jesus uh, I'm identifying you uh, as the healer uh, of my issue uh, the healer uh, of my disease uh, the healer uh, of my sickness Uh, and I've come to challenge somebody tonight uh, all you've got to do is match your faith uh, with the God that's in this house uh, and I believe if you'll grab a hold uh, of the identity of your God uh, there's about to be virtue uh, that God releases in this house Uh, there's about to be a supernatural release if somebody makes up their mind I'm going after it I'm about to pursue it I'm not waiting I'm grabbing a hold of who he is how many in this house right now wants God to identify himself with you how many in this house right now could say, you know what, I need that God you're preaching about to identify himself with my family, identify myself with my friends, identify himself with what I'm going through. I'm telling somebody in this house, all you got to do is match your faith with how great your God is. And there's virtue, there's healing, there's supernatural. I feel it in the house right now. Why don't somebody reach out and with faith grab a hold of who your God God is. It's amazing. Mark's account. We may not get past this right here because I feel it trying to break loose. Mark's account of this same story, Brother Moore, tells us that when she touched Jesus, he stopped and immediately knew virtue went out of him. And he turns around, looks at his disciples, and asks the question. I've always quoted it wrong. I've always quoted it, Jesus by saying, somebody touched my, cl- my body. No, no, no. Jesus turned around and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples still don't get it. Lord, look at the crowd of people. Everybody's touching you everybody's bumping into you. I mean, there's masses upon masses around you. Everybody's touching everybody. But Jesus was saying, no, boys, you don't understand. I'm not talking about somebody grabbing the physical person of my body. He said, somebody grab my clothes. You know what Jesus was saying? Somebody grabbed a hold of a 400-year-old prophecy that Malachi prophesied about. And I'm telling somebody in this house, if you could grab a hold of the prophecy you need in this room right now, Jesus would stop and there would be virtue that would be released in this house I'm challenging somebody in this room why don't you stretch your faith why don't you stretch forth and grab a hold of what you need in this room somebody grabbed who I am somebody grabbed the corners of my garment Somebody didn't grab my body, boys. Somebody grabbed a hold of the authority that I have. And that Bible says virtue went out of him. That word virtue literally means dunamis. It's the same word we use. When the Bible said you shall receive power or dunamis after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And we always translate it to mean healing. But it simply means healing. It means deliverance. It means salvation. You know what that tells me? Whatever I've got need of in this house. If I can reach my faith out and grab a hold of who God is, there's virtue that will be released. There's a power that will flow in this room. This is probably my last poem because this is where we are. I believe, now this is saying for theology, but I believe the reason why Jesus stopped when somebody touched him I understand they grabbed. she grabbed a hold of his identity. But I believe Jesus was so used to touching others that when somebody touched him, it stopped him. You see, Jesus was so accustomed to going into cities, going into homes, going into certain environments, and he was the one always extending his hand out, touching. But when somebody initiated the process, And said, you know what? I'm not going to wait for Jesus to touch me. I'm going to touch him. It stopped him in his tracks. You know the amazing thing about Matthew 9? Read it in context. It has nothing to do with that woman. My first verse that I read says, and he followed, Jesus followed him. Who's him? Jairus. Remember Jairus? His daughter had died or was about to die. Jesus and Jairus are walking to his house. It has nothing to do with this woman with an issue of blood. But this lady just injects herself into the scenario. Because she understood, you know what? Jesus uh, may never walk down this road again. Uh, I may never have this opportunity again. Uh, and so while Jesus is close by, while Jesus is still in the building, uh, I'm going to reach out and grab a hold of him. Uh, hey, I'm telling somebody in this house, uh, stop waiting for Jesus to touch you uh, and get up uh, and go after the miracle that you need. Uh, if somebody in this house would get intentional, uh, if somebody in this house would make up their mind, uh, I'm not sitting here uh, another servant. I'm going after it. I'm ex- somebody right now. Why don't you throw your hands up and go after what you need God to do in this house. Come on, I'm challenging somebody right now. Why don't you connect your faith with God's identity? It's no time to be passive. It's no time to be recluse. It's no time to be set back. It's time to get out. It's time to step out. It's time to go after what you need God to do. Come on, I'm challenging somebody right now. Don't wait for Jesus to walk down your pew. Don't wait for Jesus to walk down the aisle. I'm challenging somebody. Get up and go after it. Pursue God with what you need him to do. Come on, lift your hands up right now all over the house. Come on from side to side and front to back right now. Come on, I don't know what you need the Lord to do right now, but there's one in this room that's greater than anything we're going through. There's one in this house that's ready to identify himself with everybody in this room. Let him extend his wings over you. Let him stretch out his shadow over you. There's protection and there's provision under the shadow of the God we serve. Sometimes we've just got to be like those lepers. I looked around. Why sit we here till we die? We could wait and help may come. But I'm not going to chance it. I'm not going to sit here and just put my faith in a hope. A possibility, Something may happen. That's why they looked around and said, you know what? Let's get up and go into the city. And the Bible says they get up and go, and they find the spoils of the war because the principle is very simple. Sometimes we've got to get up from where we are. It's so easy to wait for Jesus to come to where we are, but it's time to get passive or passionate in our pursuit of what we need. It's time to go after it. It's time to stretch after it. I'm telling somebody in this room, they're still healing balm in Gilead, but you've got to go get the balm that you need. (laughs) Jeremiah 46, there's balm in Gilead, but the prophet says, get up and go take the balm. He says, there's healing there, but why don't you get up and go get it? Because sometimes God says, I want to see how bad you want it. He may have never walked by that woman again if she had not injected herself in the story. I think it was already mentioned today during the preliminaries. Jesus is preaching and teaching. There's Pharisees and there's Sadducees, teachers of the law in the house. The Bible says his power was present to heal. But there's one problem. There's no more room in the house. And there's three guys who has a crippled friend. The power's inside. But we can't get there. The room's full. Well, we could just wait. Maybe Jesus will come our way. No. I got an idea. Let's put ourselves in the pathway of what he's doing. So they get radical. They cut a hole in the roof and they led him down right to where Jesus is because the principle is very simple. Sometimes I've got to put myself in the pathway of where Jesus is going. Listen, he's walking up and down this aisle, but he may not get to where you are. That's why I've got to say, you know what? I'm about to get proactive in my miracle. I'm about to involve myself in what I need God to do. Listen, we always want God to do everything, but sometimes we got to be like that woman and say, you know what? I'm about to bust this all up because I need God to move. I need God to work. I need God's power to be released right now. Why don't you throw your hands up and why don't you connect your faith with God's identity? Come on, I'm done preaching right now. Whatever you need from the front to the back, everywhere in between. I'm challenging everybody in this room. Why don't you touch him? Why don't you go after it? Why don't you pursue the God that you need to move? Come on, why don't somebody break through right now? Everything that's trying to hold you back. Uh, come on, she had to push her way through a bunch of people uh, that had no interest in touching him. Uh, you got to push your way through obstacles. Uh, you got to push your way through heartaches. Uh, you got to push your way through setbacks. Uh, it's been 12 long years, uh, but I refuse to live like it another day. Uh, it's been over a decade, uh, but Jesus is in the house, uh, and I'm going to touch him. I'm going to help us right here, and I'm done. Those people grabbed a hold of his tallit. She grabbed a hold of his wings. I was talking about this very subject with a pastor some time ago. The pastor's wife said, I got something I want you to have. Hang on. She runs in the Sunday school room and grabs me a replica of the talit Jesus wore. You can buy replicas. You can buy them in different colors. I have the original colors that they had. They grabbed a hold of that Talit. They grabbed a hold of his wings. We don't have that Talit in this house. I wish we did, but we don't. So how do I touch him? How do I reach out and grab a hold of that God who says all you got to do is match your faith with what that book says? All you got to do is reach out and grab that prophecy. How do we touch him? My Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer for righteous man availeth much. One translation of that verse simply tells me that when I begin to pray in faith, my prayers can touch him. I'm telling people in this room right now, you can pray prayers. that stops God in his tracks. Listen, I know he feels all time and space, but let's put it in human terms so we can understand. You can pray prayers in this room right now that they can go beyond where we are they can go above this ceiling that we're under uh, and they can bombard heaven's gates right now uh, and it can grab a hold of God so greatly uh, that God says somebody just touch me with their prayers Uh, somebody in Bendel's praying in faith right now Uh, somebody's matching their faith with my identity Uh, come on God's ready to extend his wings over this congregation Uh, he's ready for somebody to get under that shadow Uh, I wish somebody right now uh, why don't you pray prayers right now uh, that's gonna grab a hold of him Uh, I don't know what the need is Uh, I don't know what the situation are, but you can pray prayers and touch him at this very moment. Come on, pray in faith right now all over this room. Come on, you need God to cover your family. Why don't you pray in faith? You need God to identify himself with you. Why don't you pray in faith? Come on, we always talk about the healing aspect, but God wants to identify himself with us. God wants to cover his children. God wants to protect his body. God wants to be a present help in time of trouble. Come on, somebody push, push, pray in faith. It's time to take your prayers out of the box. It's time to pray prayers that scare you. Come on, God's waiting and God is ready for somebody. Come on, I hear some prayer warriors over here tapping into it. Come on, man, why don't you tap into that prayer? Why don't you tap into that intercessory prayer right now? Come on, we can bombard heaven right here in Bendale. Come on, those prayers that can go up, that can alter situations. It can change the outcomes. You can pray prayer so great. I'm not trying to belabor the point. I'm not trying to pump this up and cheerlead, but listen, I got a five-hour drive. I could leave right now and go to the house. I'm telling you right now what the Holy Ghost is telling me. It's time to take your prayers out of the box. Take the limits off the prayers you're praying. I'm reminded of Joshua. Prayed and everything stood still. The Bible makes this statement when Joshua prayed. The Bible says, and the Lord hearkened to the words of a man. That tells me I can pray prayers for the more. And God will set his ear toward the prayers I pray. Tell what I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. There's some mamas that's been praying. And God said, why don't you pray one more time? Because I'm about to stick my ear down to bend to hell. And I want to hear what you're praying right now. Come on, you've got the ear of heaven right now. Come on, you've got the ear and the attention of heaven. It's time to take your prayers out. Take the limitations off. God's going to save my family. God's going to save my kids. God's going to save my spouse. God's going to heal my body. It's time to pray because you've got the attention You've got the ear of heaven right now. Come on, don't let your prayers be dictated by what I'm saying or what I'm not saying. Come on, it's time to push in prayer right now. Come on, your prayers can stop everything. Your prayers can alter things. Understand that God is touched by the prayers of the faithful. Come on, I want you to connect with somebody besides you if you feel comfortable. Come on, I know we got social distancing going on, but if you feel comfortable, come on, why don't you link up with somebody? Come on, grab a hold of somebody in faith and say, we're bombarding heaven right now. We're going to heaven's throne right now. We're going through the gates right now. We've got heaven's attention. We've got the ears of God. It's time that God hearkens to the voice. Come on, it's no time to fight this. It's no time to close your spirit off. Come on, God's in the house. Open your heart. Open your spirit and let God work. Match your faith with your God. Match your faith with his identity. That's it. See Come on. Come on, you've got heaven's attention right now. You've got the ear of God right now. It's time that God hearkens. Come on, this is what I keep feeling. God's ready. God's ready to extend himself over this congregation. God's ready to cover us with his wings. Come on, under the shadow of the Almighty, there's refuge. Come on, God's about to send a refuge. He's about to send protection. God's going to take care of his church. He's going to take care of his people because he's identifying himself with us.
0: Jesus. But you're the man. I drive a you with my spirit, with my heart. Hallelujah, God, that would put us in gear, put us in motion. I'm gonna pursue it. I'm gonna What caused a lady. We're not sure as the preacher done said tonight. We don't know if she was rich or poor. We just know the scripture let us know that for twelve years she went from one physician to the next, possibly from one specialist to the next. The scripture told us that she spent all she had, whatever that was. But she was none the better. In fact, it became worse. And so now she's facing a situation that there's only one that can help her now. There's only one that can make the difference. And this propelled her. This energized her. This this not able to be able to socialize with her family. Could there have been a little daughter that was only two or three years old 12 years ago that's now, it's 14 and 15. She's never got to hug and tell her really that she loved her. Maybe possibly from just a distance. She knew down inside, but there's got to be a help from somewhere. It's got to be a mender somewhere. It's got to be one that can help me overcome this and defeat this that I can be joined back to to my family and be able to love them and respond to them like i want to i'm telling you the enemy's done his best to build walls and cause divisions and separations in one form or another but god's always in the business of mending and joining and bringing back together and it, so it was this that would give, gave her the strength even after 12 years of this sickness and here, in time after time, no, I'm sorry, we can't do anything for you, but Amen. That begin to propel and drive her even more so that I'm gonna make my way into the hem of that garment, Amen. And I believe with everything in me, the moment she says, Amen, that as soon as I touch him, God says, I'll be there, and the moment you touch him, Amen, I'm gonna heal you, and that's exactly what He done. And so that's what God calls us sometimes, amen, to push through the crowds and push through all the doubts and all the weaknesses, amen, and all the failures and the past, amen, services and events that just didn't seem to unfold and come together. But there's something inside of us knows that there is a God, a God that can be touched, a God that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities whenever we can't even put words to them. We can't even make up a sentence because the hurt is so real on the inside where the surgeon can't get On the inside Where the medication Can't seem to penetrate And do anything about it But there was a God a man By the name of Jesus If I make up in my mind And heart and spirit I'm going to touch him I don't know how many services It's going to take I don't know how many Prayer meetings And prayer closet visits It's going to take But I know one thing I'm going to touch him And I know the moment That I touch him I'm going to be healed I'm going to be made whole This is what drove her This is what drived her This is what gave her The passion Amen to press her way through all of that to touch the one called Jesus Christ so here's the deal depends on the need depends on the need and how bad you really want it and when you want it bad enough I'm telling you this God can be touched anything that you're struggling with tonight regardless of the size and how long you've been struggling with it if you make up in your mind I'm going to get in that place of that prayer I don't want to touch God God's going to do it God's going to do it. He can put the hooks in a son's mouth and start bringing him back in. You can stir up a husband's heart and spirit, begin to open up some things to him, visit him in the nighttime with visions and dreams, talk to him, amen, in a way that none of us can do it. He can move on to a community. Come on, folks, our nation needs our prayers. It's in a mess, it's spiritually in a mess. And they need us to be praying for them. They're in trouble. I'm telling you, if you never haven't been concerned about your nation, you ought to be tonight. About the outcome. If it's not for you, then do it for your brother and do it for these little ones that's running around here. Just like Kova, amen. We 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 practice some things for, for others' sake, amen. It's you know what? It ought to be the same way about this. I'm gonna help touch God, amen, for the next generation. Hallelujah. I want to touch God, amen, that this church, hallelujah, can be everything that God wants it to be, amen. When they put me in the sod, hallelujah. Church is gonna be powerful, a church that's believing, a church, amen, is still worshiping this one true god a church is still running the aisles and speaking in tongues and winning the battles and being made overcomers because we're willing to touch god because we're willing to touch him and to be touched oh praise god god bless you you may be seated tonight my my what a word that we've heard in the presence we felt in the house of god today what a visitation i want to give you thanks for your response here tonight and your response unto the Lord and the presence of God in this house. You don't have to leave this house, amen, ever. Wondering and confused, that's not God's will. God wants you to be touched. He wants you to touch as much as you want to touch him. He wants to touch you. I'm glad I'm serving a God tonight that wants to touch us, to minister to us and help us. Visit us, walk among us. And not just in services, but he'll walk with us on Mondays and Tuesdays and, and the highways and the byways, workplaces. Hallelujah. We're serving an awesome and a good God tonight. Amen. Love you and appreciate you. Let's pray much. Continue to lift up one another. Pray for our country and pray for our community. Hallelujah. Let's pray for revival. Praise God. Revival just break out. Amen. Among us and through us. Praise God! One of the best places revival can start right here, <laughs> right here. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you tonight. All right. Birthdays. I know we're picking up from last week. Now we're getting two weeks plus anybody else we've missed in the last six, seven, eight weeks. Amen. So we want to get, we want to try to get everybody who's had a birthday in the last two weeks. Sister Judy. Okay. Sister Judy, hey, Sister Judy, Judy disappeared on us. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to sing to her anyway. We sing loud enough. She's back there having to tend to a little one. Hallelujah. I know that breaks our heart. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Anyone else? Any other birthdays? In the last two weeks? One in the last two weeks? All right. Sister Judy, can you hear us? I feel good tonight, folks. Hallelujah. Isn't it good just to be in the house of God, love God, feel the love of God? Praise Hey, she's waving back, Miss Bacca. Let's sing happy birthday to Sister Judy tonight. Praise God. This is Judy. All right, anniversaries, anniversaries. Okay, Brother Johnson, Sister Madison. Hallelujah. Yeah, thumbs up. right, ain't it? That's right. Anyone else? Brother Bobby and Sister Linda. All right, Let's sing to them tonight. God bless them. Did we miss out last week or something? Okay. Next week. Next week. Okay, they got faith. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) All right, let's sing. That's right. Give him a good hand tonight. <laughs> He's back there doing this. You's <laughs> probably saying he ought to be doing this. <laughs> all right. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. I'm going back midweek service Wednesday night. As far as I know, nobody's come. but, but who knows? I hope all of you are and planning to, if you can, we hope the Lord will be here and The Lord sees fit, we'll be preaching. If not, then somebody else will be. If not, then we'll just shout the place down. But something's going to happen in the house of God. And you know what? Something good is going to happen in the house of God. So don't miss it. Come, come early, be here. And let's see the power of God move among us. God bless you. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. Appreciate all of our guests. God bless you for being here tonight.